the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to, a, to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into the villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. How are you? It's not a trick question. I'm doing fine, you might say, or I'm good, or for the grammatically astute among us, I'm well, because it's an adverb and you know your difference between adjectives and adverbs. But I hardly think any of us have ever heard or answered, honestly, I'm languishing. Languishing, it's an interesting word. It's the blah feeling that psychologist Adam Grant suggests many of us might be feeling in these ongoing days of the global pandemic. Languishing, Grant says, is like the neglected middle child of mental health, with all due respect to any middle children present. Somewhere in between flourishing, the peak of well-being, and depression, the valley of ill-being, there's languishing. People who are languishing don't necessarily have symptoms of full-on mental illness, but they aren't exactly the picture of mental health either. If you're languishing, you might not be totally depressed or totally unhappy, but you're not really thriving either. For Grant, languishing was playing words with friends in bed until 7 a.m. instead of bouncing into action at 6 when his alarm went off. Or it's his family member who stays up late to watch a movie even though she knows, even though it's one that she knows by heart. More broadly speaking, languishing, he says, is the dulling of delights or the dwindling of drive. It might not be full-on burnout, or at least not yet, but it's just this sort of state of existing, maybe going through the motions. When the disciples return fresh from their mission trip, they are on fire. They come back to Jesus and they tell him all that they had done and taught. They are energized by their experiences of healings and exorcisms and evangelism. And they are ready for their next assignment. Jesus' new assignment, however, isn't another mission trip. It's an invitation. Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves, and rest a while. 
Come away by yourselves, away from the crowds, away from the busyness. Rest, stop, take a nap, have something to eat, recharge, and take care of yourselves. Sure, the disciples had been riding on the high of their trip. Anyone who's ever been on a mission trip or participated in a service project knows what that's like to experience the excitement of putting your faith into action and making a real, tangible impact in our communities and in the world. But Jesus sees something else going on as well. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he warned them that they would face rejection too. He told them what to do when people wouldn't welcome them into their homes or accept their message. What happened to those stories when the disciples came back? Stories of failure, rejection, and doubt. Surely they were there, lingering just under the surface. And Jesus knew those stories would take time and rest and nourishment and self-care to unearth. I wonder if Jesus sensed that the disciples might be languishing, or at least in danger of it. Even if they had a hundred good experiences and just one negative experience, doesn't it seem like it's always that one solitary negative experience that sticks with us the longest? As your mind replays the scenario over and over again, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently or better? It's strange how one negative experience like that or critical comments can dull the delights of a mountain of success stories, dwindling our drive and pushing us back from flourishing into languishing. Jesus himself certainly had cause to experience languishing. Of course, by all outward appearances, his ministry is flourishing. He couldn't keep the crowds away. Many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Try as they might to retreat by boat, the crowds recognize Jesus and the disciples at every turn, and they run ahead on foot to meet them where they are going. Wherever Jesus went, the crowds seemed to follow and multiply. Meanwhile, though, Jesus had just lost his beloved cousin, John the Baptist, the one who had baptized him, and to a gruesome murder, no less. A terrifying reminder about what happened to people like them, who preached and teached the kinds of things that they were saying. Somewhere in between the outward appearances of flourishing and the inward grief and anxiety he was experiencing, Jesus is languishing. Jesus is languishing, the disciples are languishing, and so Jesus invites them all to come away to a deserted place by themselves and rest for a while. Jesus recognizes the need for a break, for solitude, for downtime. Pastor Kay Lynn Northcutt never thought that she would miss church coffee. As a student in divinity school and later serving in her first congregation, she never understood the allure of gathering around a coffee urn or 
how the equation of coffee plus donuts somehow equaled church. The conversations that she overheard around church coffee revolved around football or the latest episode of reality TV. They could have stale coffee and cold donuts and mediocre conversations at home, she thought. What's special about this? It wasn't until several years later on the second Easter Sunday in the second year of COVID that she finally understood. After waking up and saying her morning prayers that day, she blurted out to her husband, I want church coffee, not our coffee, not Starbucks, not McDonald's, only church coffee will do. After her husband asked her if she was quite okay at this sudden outburst, she admitted, no, I'm not okay. I want church coffee. Truth be told, she writes, I wanted to see Paula and Helen and Ted and Stephen and Joan and Allison and Ricky and Phyllis and Scott and to have a cup of coffee with them in the context of church. Church coffee, after all, is so much more than coffee. It's about community. People come to church, she realized, as much to talk with one another as to talk to God. For Northcutt, on the second COVID Easter, church, coffee, and community was the antidote she craved for her state of languishing. There's healing power in communities and connection for our languishing. As one New York Times writer puts it, Moments of being seen by other people and being met with respect or even enthusiasm can energize or invigorate us and help create bonds within our neighborhoods and communities. Thanks be to God, we have a God who rests and gets it. Jesus himself gets hungry and eats. He gets tired and retreats with his friends I'd like to imagine Jesus would even be with us at coffee hour after this service, sipping mediocre, no, excellent coffee here, right? Only excellent coffee. And talking about the Cubs or the White Sox, if that's your thing. Jesus languishes and takes time to rest. And Jesus meets us in our languishing and invites us to rest ourselves. Jesus yearns for us to thrive and to experience abundant life. The Jesus who equips us and sends us out for mission also recognizes that we need to rest, to care for ourselves in order to be whole. The Jesus who himself goes out to heal and preach and teach needs time to recover himself. We have a Savior who cares for us, and who encourages us to care for ourselves so that we, in turn, can care for each other. And that is the work of the kingdom of God. Come away all by yourselves and rest a while.